Welcome to the Wednesday Bible study uh, uh, here at the Broadcast Plaza in Teleport. Uh, I have been watching some of the archives, and I realize that I shift and move around a lot. That has to make some of y'all dizzy, so I'm going to slow down today. I can't, I can't say once we start I'm going to be still, but I'll try to be still at least during the announcements. Uh, welcome in. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Some announce, uh, are here. Some announcements that we do have. Themanchurch.com. Now, don't forget to use the word the. Themanchurch.com. Uh, we'll go live on March the 2nd, but what we're doing right now is uh, we're offering an opportunity for you to go and to give us your email. If you're, and here's, here's what themanchurch.com is designed for. Are you a church that is looking to implement an intentional men's ministry that certainly reaches the lost and then disciples men from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity uh, with a game plan, a curriculum designed by men for men, uh, then themanchurch.com is going to be a resource for you. If you'll go ahead and, and go there now, you'll see the, the teaser video. Uh, we fixed that, by the way. Some of you said you couldn't see it on your phones. We got that resolved. You can now. Uh, and if you'll put your email in, if you're interested in that, then we'll start giving you information all the way up to it goes live, uh, even in the next month in February. If you want us to start consulting with you on how to implement that, we will. Or maybe you're a small group leader. Hey, I've already got uh, a men's Bible study, uh, but I'm hurting on curriculum. Uh, we're not quite ready to do expository teaching yet, but we sure would like to have a challenging curriculum. Uh, then we have that available for you. That'll also be part of themanchurch.com. And almost like Steve Jobs every year would show you the new iPhone, uh, every year we'll reveal the new curriculum to we get up to we have multiple curriculums but uh, the first one will be the pursuit uh, I'll be teaching you know 12 to 15 minutes of it by video the rest of that time the men in the group uh, will have a facilitator and you'll go through the written curriculum that we have for you or maybe you're just uh, I'm just a man and I need to grow spiritually we'll have resources through devotionals and things like that that you can work on in your personal walk so all of that uh, is kind of what the the, the manchurch.com will be we, we will have some events so that's not really uh, our sweet spot. We like to come alongside events uh, and then provide curriculum to go along with that. But we do have a couple of options if you'd like to bring an event uh, to your uh, church or to your community uh, involving the teachers uh, that we, we have kind of in our hub of teachers. Uh, we certainly have a couple of options on that. But if you want to be ready to receive information and ready for that to go live, just go to themanchurch.com and give us your email address. And now you'll be on our email list and you can do that. Uh, coming up uh, to this Sunday, I'll be in Olive Baptist Church, uh, Pensacola, Florida. Ted Trailer. Uh, I'm honored to be um, given the opportunity to have that pulpit Sunday morning, both services. So if you're in the Pensacola area and you can get to Olive uh, Baptist, love to see you there. Uh, also next week, Next Sunday night, I'll be in Meridian, Mississippi. I'll be at Northcrest Baptist Church for uh, the State Evangelism Conference. Uh, I'll be the Sunday night speaker at 6 uh, at Shades Mountain Baptist Church here in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, James Merritt will be speaking to our men uh, for our next man church. And then those of you in the Birmingham area or in this room that you want to be there, we'll have another round of Bible studies uh, available for those men that attend. There's no ticket for that or anything. You just simply attend. Uh, coming up February the 1st, uh, the Bold Conference will be in Baker, Florida, Pilgrim Rest uh, Baptist Church. I'll be joining uh, uh, Ed Litton will be speaking uh, there. Uh, also, some other great speakers will be there, and I'll get to be part of that uh, coming up on February the 1st. There's many others that are already on uh, the events calendar, but I don't want to take up any more time of the Bible study. You can find those by going to rickandbubba.com. You can look under events. And also my wife, Sherry, her book, uh, Bronner, A Journey to Understand, will be available audio version coming up this weekend, January the 19th. Uh, that'll be available wherever you get audiobooks. Uh, that's her actually reading the book, which is extremely moving. If you can look for that coming up this weekend. If it doesn't happen this weekend, probably be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, somewhere in that window. All right, so we are, uh, we are going through the Gospel of John. Thank you for being with us. We are today in chapter 11. Uh, we're going to open in a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right in to chapter 11 of the Gospel of John. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for every man that's in this room. Thank you for every eye and ear uh, that has happened upon uh, this Bible study, uh, either on YouTube or on the, the podcast channel or uh, however they have discovered it. Maybe it was text to them by a friend, uh, or maybe I text it to them because they can't seem to come into the new technology. Whatever the case, may be, Lord Jesus, I pray today you take our time together and you refine us into the people that only you can make us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so John chapter 11, let's first of all deal with the elephant in the room. 
I've already done this message uh, back on April the 10th. Uh, those of you that have been here the whole time, you may recall, wait a minute, Rick, Rick did a standalone message. We've already done this. And that is absolutely true, but odds are you don't remember it. Uh, so uh, so we, will, we will walk through this again, but uh, I have gone and tried to glean some things that I didn't catch the first time or a couple things that maybe I look back and go, I, I should have done this. It will be a new experience for us today. The reason why, I, I consulted uh, a couple of folks and said, uh, should I just tell everybody to go to April 10th to hear John chapter 11? And I received a resounding no, uh, because if you're going to have an archive of a study of the gospel of John, you don't need to leave out a chapter and tell somebody to go somewhere else to find it. So we're doing this for no other reason, review for those of you that missed it, your first time at it, and so that we'll always have access to the entire Gospel of John chapter by chapter. So, so I, I agreed with that, uh, uh, that suggestion, and I think they were right, so that's what we're going to do. So if you have your, book, uh, your Bible or something with your Bible on, let's go to John chapter 11. Now understand, we're, we're moving now. So here goes Jesus, His earthly ministry, and now today we take a big step on now moving him to the cross, because uh, here comes uh, here comes the, uh, a gigantic sign because he's about to raise somebody from the dead, and that is a biggie, and we're gonna we're gonna un unpack that here today. So up to this point, Jesus has shown us what that he is the bread of life, he has shown us that he is the water of life, he has shown us that he is the light of life. And now the last sign that he's going to give that really pushes him to the cross is he gives life itself. Okay, he, he's, he's been showing all these different things about him, and now he's going to drop the hammer and say, I am life, and I give life. So in John chapter 11, we start out saying, Now a certain man was ill, and we know that is Lazarus, uh, of Bethany, tells us where he's from, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So first of all, uh, we know that, um, uh, that this friend and this person that, that, that Jesus knew and, and the disciples knew, uh, these sisters and this brother, uh, where they're from, they're in Bethany, and we know that Lazarus is ill. He's getting the word. Hey, he's sick. So we go to two. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was ill. So this is interesting because John does something here at which you can't you will find in other parts of, of the Bible that um, that Mary, he's telling us who Mary is and something that she's done before he tells us about it. Uh, we don't get this till till 12, but he's already telling us about her anointing his feet with her hair and the oil. But he hasn't told us about that yet. Uh, and a lot of this has to do with the fact that, you know, when John's recounting everything, he's talking to people a lot of times that already know the whole history, and he's trying to get it all together. You, 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 matter of fact, this is not surprising if you remember or you've looked at some of the other Gospels. Uh, I think it's in Matthew. Uh, when Matthew tells us about John the Baptist being imprisoned and then later tells us about him going to prison. Uh, so this is not abnormal uh, in the Word of God. But when we get into 12 and we start hearing about Mary anointing his feet with her hair, you're going to like, wait a minute. John just told us about that in 11 before it ever happened. This is John sitting down talking about all these events. And for the people who were listening to him, they likely already knew about that. He just hadn't got to chronicling that for us yet. Don't read any more into that than is really there. Uh, then verse 3 is pretty simple. Verse 3 tells us that so, so the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, the reason why John wants us to know that is that he wants us to know in a really you know, straightforward way, this is not an acquaintance. He, he, he's clarifying the friendship. These are people that Jesus, uh, the man, 100% man, 100% God, in his earthly ministry, these are people that he knows very well. And this is someone that is dear to him, even just to the human side. So let's look at four. So then four, uh, uh, John tells us, But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, this does not mean, as we know, Jesus isn't saying, Hey, don't worry about it. This disease he has isn't fatal. That's not what he's saying at all. Why? Because it is. And, and, and we know. Matter of fact, he's going he's to be dead before Jesus ever gets there. What he's saying is that th this disease, though fatal to the human body, is going to end in life because it's going to end in a resurrection. 
So he, he's clarifying. Now, now the, the disciples show us so clearly here in a minute, just like we uh, do so many times, they're not tracking with Jesus. Uh, and he has to get very straightforward with them here, which is one of my favorite parts of, of chapter 11 because it's just so real. But anyway, what he's talking about, there is going to be a huge sign that is about to happen and he's making that clear because he says, all right, and let's, and let's, let's learn this about pain and suffering. I mean, this, this Sunday, January the 19th, is 12 years ago when my youngest son died an earthly death and went into the arms of Jesus. That's 12 years ago this Sunday. So I'm, I'm honored to have the chance to speak at a church this Sunday. And I've talked with Pastor Ted Trailer, and he said, you know, I'm giving you room to talk about whatever you want to, but... I, that'd be a great message. And, you know, and I said, okay. Well, so anyway, so we'll, we'll do that. But anyway, so um, the, the thing that you understand is Jesus is also clarifying, and we don't need to miss this. Don't forget how many times, I hope those of you that have known me for a long time, I've said this over and over, and some of you have been in a place of despair. When you're in a place of despair, can I tell you what is not helpful? Now, from the world, the world doesn't know what's going on anyway, so they're not helpful anyway. But when you look to your brothers and your sisters of the church, supposed to be fellow followers of Christ, let me tell you what's not helpful. And for those of you that have struggled, and, and I've had the opportunity, you've given me the honor and the trust to talk to you. Every time you ask me something, I'm going to give you scripture. Because that's all that matters. And so, but let me tell you what's not helpful. Well, you know, sometimes we don't know why. I don't know why Lazarus is sick. I just don't know. Well, Jesus just told you why he's sick. So he can be glorified. I mean, the Bible tells us that most of the times when God allows us to suffer, it's to refine us. It is to humble us. That's in the Bible. It is for us, our, our faith to be tested. That's in the Bible. It is for us to ultimately now have everyone's attention. As C.S. Lewis said, pain and suffering is God's megaphone to a sleeping world. So it's also for us to do what he's talking about here. What? Watch this. They're going to glorify me. They're not going to reject me. You're going to see in their suffering probably for the first time how real their faith really is. And those that turn from Christ when they're tested through suffering, they failed. They failed. Their, their faith was tested and it was found to be false. So here is Jesus saying as clear as he can say it, this illness is not going to lead to death. It is going to lead to earthly death, but it's going to lead to resurrection. But it's ultimately for what? Say it with me. The glory of God. So what he is saying is, you know what he's saying? Can y'all okay with this? You know what he's saying? My father knows Lazarus is sick, and he allowed him to be sick. Can, can God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit keep Lazarus from being sick? Yes, well, then, they, then, then, they, then he allowed it. You know why you know God allows these things? Because He can stop it. Does anybody here serve a God that can't stop whatever problem you have? I don't. All right, so, 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 so here is Jesus clarifying that. He says, let me tell you, the sign that's about to happen will honor the Father and the Son at the same time, and it is a precursor to what? Jesus' death and resurrection. He's about to, you know what he's saying? Lazarus, my friend, is sick and is dead, he's going to say here in a minute, so that we have this moment for my father and I to be glorified at the same time, and then I'm going to show you ultimately why I'm here. i got to show you that I give life. You know what he's showing you? If I, can, if I can resurrect somebody else, wait till you see till I resurrect myself. So he's going to go on record uh, for us all to see, which is why Lazarus is sick. Why is Lazarus sick? To glorify God. Why are you sick? To glorify God. Why is someone you love sick? To glorify God. Why did you lose your job? To glorify God. That's what these things are. And the Bible is crystal clear in this. You know what I've come to say, and this may be a little harsh, and you know that's not my, my intention. I, look, as I, as, as I was told the other day by a dear friend, my gentle spirit has gotten better, to which Bubba and Greg responded, well, a team that didn't win any games that won, wins one has improved 100%. But they still only won one. You know what I mean? So, so it's, it's a slow process. But, but what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is this. When you go to people, or if I go to people, with this sometimes we don't know why, 
and you don't have any scripture and you don't know what's going on spiritually in this situation, you know what you're saying to that person when you say sometimes we don't know why? You should really just say, I am inadequate in my depth of knowledge of scripture and I am of no help to you today. Hey, I didn't do what I should have done to be ready for you today. I ain't got it. I don't know anything. And you know what? You really have no help. Because we want to hear who God is in all this, and you should know that, and so should I, so we can help each other. Now, do I need to be reminded who God is? Yes, but you need to be ready to remind me. And I need to be ready to remind you. So, Jesus is clear on, on what's going on here. So let's look at verses 5 and 6 now. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So here's John doubling down. I got news for you. He loves all of them. These are not people that Jesus doesn't love. Wait a minute. So you mean that when I struggle or my loved one is sick, it isn't because God doesn't love me? No, it's not. Well, how do I know that? Well, John just said that Jesus is in control of Lazarus being sick. He's going to delay so Lazarus will die. We'll talk about why that is here in a minute. And he's telling us the whole time that he loves them. So it's not lack of love. You know what it could be? That he trusts them. You know, th think about that. Can, can God trust you with pain and suffering? And I think some of you, if you were honest, or maybe some of you watching and listening, you're almost trying not to be trusted because you're afraid that he may actually do it. Let me say something. Only the bold person prays the prayer. Lord, do whatever you have to do to get me where I need to be with you and to glorify yourself. He'll answer it. And, but some of you are trying to have a, I don't know if I want to be trusted with that. That's a very, it's a very dangerous. You're also looking at, at, at people of the Bible. What did, what did Paul say? I'm in prison. You know what? I'm celebrating it because I'm in prison. Guess what this is doing? It's advancing the gospel. Hey, y'all keep praying for me. Man, I'm hopeful I might be delivered from this. I might not. I've just come to the conclusion that to live is Christ and to die is gain. I, 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 he says, I'm even struggling myself. There's a side of me that says, I'd like to go ahead and die because then I go into the presence of the Lord. But it may be that the Lord allows me to live because I need to continue serving you and need to continue advancing his gospel because y'all aren't ready for it to be handed to you yet. But whatever the case is, I'm good. So you know what I think is the biggest problem when we get things reversed? How many times in your life have you been told by your mama or by your daddy or by somebody, hey, be careful, you may die? Hey, be careful. You know what we should say more? Watch what you do because you might live. Because once we're dead, our testimony is over. That's it. I mean, there's nothing left. Whatever it was, it is what it is. But what we really should do is watch ourselves and live devoted to Jesus, not because we might die, that's a given but because we might live. That's heavy. That's heavy, but it's true. Uh, so, so anyway, so look at 5 and 6. says that he loves them. Look at 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. My goodness, what in the world? So, so, so he knows that, that he loves them. And then he says he's going to stay two more days. And so we have to take these two things again. Let me tie this together. Because it's truth, right? Did the Bible say that Jesus loved Mary, loved Martha, and loved Lazarus? Can we all go yes? But he still stayed two more days. He didn't run to it. So his staying two more days is not a lack of love for the family. It's not. And, and, and we have to trust God enough to know that you already have... You know, Hey, does anybody here doubt that God loves you? If you ever say to me, I thought God loved you... I, I'm going to tell you something. I hope, I hope it's, I've gotten to the point that I don't punch people anymore because that really aggravates me because I'm tired of people saying that about the God I serve. Who in the world can look at the cross and say, I thought God loved me? He's on record for how much he loves you. If the Lord God Almighty doesn't do another thing for Rick Burgess but the cross, he's already done more than I deserve. He's on record for how much he loves me. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to take on human flesh. He didn't have to go to the cross. He's holy. He's got to have, we talked about that. He has to have that sacrifice. He's got to have that suffering. He took it upon himself. He didn't have to do that. 
But he did. Why? Because he loves me and he loves you. If he never did another thing, he's done plenty. Because I tell you what I deserved was hell. And he says, I'm going to resolve that for you. And then how dare him maybe ask us for a little obedience in response to that. Actually trust us with now the life he's given us saying, I've redeemed you and you're not going to do anything else to earn salvation because you couldn't. But you know what? I'm pretty clear in scriptures. I kind of expect you to do something in response to salvation. So Jesus stays two more days after we know that, uh, that he loves him. His death, Lazarus' death and resurrection are going to be good for Lazarus and his sisters. Well, I saw that and I went, well, I never thought of it that way. I know it's going to be good for the people that see it. I've always kind of felt bad for Lazarus, really, because he just had to die again. You, you know Lazarus isn't alive anymore. I mean, so he had to die, come back out, and then die again. But, so it wasn't about that. But this is also good as we see, for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And don't ever miss that. Sometimes you think, well, God's doing this for the good of other people. No, God's always doing it for your good as well and my good. So he knows, and we'll find out in a minute, that Mary and Martha, they know Jesus pretty well, but we'll see in a minute, they don't really understand the whole deal, but this process is going to even clarify it for them. So he loves them enough to let this happen, not just loves other people. And the two-day delay was motivated by his love for them. Think about that. What do you mean by that? Well, because what they're going to see is miraculous. And if he doesn't stay two more days, you'll see because of some of the Jewish customs, it still could possibly be explained some other way. So he loves them enough that he's going to delay two days to, to bypass any, any of this mystery, any of this hocus-pocus stuff that they had in the Jewish culture that if the body was to come back alive in a certain amount of time, it still could. But after four days, and we hit day four, then there's no hope. So he's delaying it for his love for them as well. And um, so what happens by the delay, that's going to make the total time of his friend Lazarus's death, it's going to be four days now, and that means all the superstitions and all that are explained away. They had, they had a belief that the spirit hung around the body for a certain amount of time for two or three days. But if you hit day four, you know, they didn't embalm. So day four, what happens? We'll get to this in a minute. The body starts decomposing. So in, in the Jewish, uh, Jewish traditions, it's over now. Nobody can bring them back to live now. So he's delaying on purpose. So let's look at verse 7 and 8. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Why is, why is this in here? That's not good news. If you're one of Jesus' followers, no, no, we just barely escaped all that. Do you remember what happened? What just happened, what we just heard? They took, up, they took up stones to stone him, and then he went back to where John was baptizing, and he went back to over there where everybody, and people came, and people believed because of what John had said about him, and he went back to where it all started. They're good with that. Hey, we're not, we're not in danger now. And Jesus says, I've waited my two days. They, they have to be thinking, why are we not rushing somewhere? And so they probably start thinking because of what just happened. Oh, he, they don't understand what's happening. We're not going back because Jesus knows they're going to try to kill us. They don't think that he's going, I'll tell you why we're not going back. He's trying to delay this so Lazarus will be dead for four days when we get there. And therefore, the only way he can raise him from the dead is for it to be of God. No, what they're thinking is, notice you never see, John says, the disciples were really upset that Jesus wasn't leaving. It's not in there. You know why? They're good. Yeah, I hate that about Lazarus. That's, a, that's awful. <laughs> and, uh, you, do you ever see them intervene and say, hey, shouldn't we be going? So here's why. Uh, because now Jesus has said, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, suddenly they're going to speak now. They got nothing to say about the delay. But now that we're going, they got something to say. Rabbi, hello, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? This is the first time that they want to say something. Not about delaying. They want to say something about going. That'll preach right there, by the way. That'll preach. Yeah, I guess God just, he's going to give me time. What have you been doing? Uh, nothing. I'm just waiting. God's got me at a time of waiting. He, look, that may be. So what, what are you going to do for the kingdom? I just... 
So are you kind of wanting to hear from the Lord what to do? Well, no, I, you know, I trust him. As long as he's not telling me to do anything, I trust him totally. But then comes a the day that God says, here's what I want you to do. That's when we start all this. No, wait a minute, Lord, you sure about that? You want me to do what? Are you, look, it happened with me. Sherry walked into our house. We got these, these four chairs we sit around. That's where we go there for the big decisions. We sit and we pray and we, we get in these chairs and we face each other and we pray. I walk in, I'm sitting there and she goes, what's going on? I said, God's telling me to do something I don't want to do. She said, well, what is it? I said, he's told me to go to my local church and I'm supposed to invest myself in a men's ministry and try to come up with some way for us to have a, a men's ministry uh, at, at my own home church. I've been traveling all over the country telling everybody they need to get their men's ministry in line and our own men's ministry is not in line and I'm not doing anything about it. I'm just complaining about it. And he's told me it's time for me to go into action. That's not what I want to do. Now I got to get my hands dirty. I got to see these same men all the time. Got to have some Wednesday Bible study, see these faces all the time. I mean, all y'all's problems, all y'all's stuff. There was a time that I just got up here convicted everybody, and if you didn't hurry to the parking lot, you weren't going to see me. <laughs> I'd tell the pastor and whoever was the lay person for the men's ministry, they're all really angry right now, and I'm out of here. And the Lord said, no, you're going to invest in the local church. And I didn't want to do it. So I had never complained about him not telling me to invest in the local church. I was, Lord, why are you not telling me to invest in the local church? Why are you delaying this? He never heard that from me. But when he said it's time, he heard a lot from me. Now, you sure, Lord, sure, you sure about this? I, got, I need to be on the road. I need to be going these places. And see, now four years later, I'm seeing all the things he was going to do. But guess how that had to start? He had to say go, and I had to go. Whether I wanted to or not, because he said to. It's not what I wanted to do. Have you ever had your wife use your own words against you? That, that ought to be some sort of foul, because... <laughs> I told my wife for five years she's trying to finish that book that took five years of grinding. There were, there were times that Sherry and I would be separated for 40 days. She'd be down at that little cottage hammering out that book on her face, devastated, having to relive that horrible night. And she would come in and she would have tears on her face that I can't finish this book. It's too hard. And then I would say as spiritual leader, <laughs> well, if the Lord's called you to do something, then you have to finish it. <laughs> so when I said, I'm not into this, she says, did the Lord call you to it? And I said, yes. She said, well, <laughs> if, the, if the Lord's called you to something, then you got to finish it. And I thought, I wonder where I've heard that before. But anyway, so, so anyway, but look, here we are. See, here we are. I'm more excited about this than ever before, but I didn't want to take that first step because it was going to require time, effort, getting your hands dirty, investing in people, which I'm not that good at. You know, I, I, I'm not that good at investing in people. I'm really not. Uh, you know, as, as, as I told you, me knowing these Bible studies, this is a bigger miracle than a blind man that can see. The fact that I'm doing this is a miracle. This is all God. Uh, but it wasn't anything that I wanted to do. But once I was obedient to him, I can't get anything else in my life that means more to me than being right in the middle of his perfect will. Whatever it is. It's It's fantastic. So anyway, so he does know what he's doing, by the way. But it may not be immediate. But if he tells you to do it, you got to do it. So now they can't believe that he's turning, returning to this danger. So we get to, to verse 9 and 10, and look at this, what Jesus says. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him, not in him. What in the world is Jesus talking about? Well, here it is. Obviously, uh, there's one obvious meaning, and that is that the Roman culture and the Jewish culture took the 24-hour day and they divided it in two. We've got 12 hours of daylight. We've got 12 hours of darkness. So first of all, he's saying we've got to make the most of the day. Okay? We've got daylight. We've got to go. But then there's a much deeper, deeper meaning. The bigger meaning is he's telling the disciples that they only have so much time with the light of the world. Hey, my earthly ministry, we're ticking down to the end. I'm teaching you. I'm about to go to the cross. My time in this form, and you have an access to me like this, and me teaching you, your time of walking with me in flesh is drawing to a close. So we need to make the most of it. And you know what else he's saying? Manifest doesn't fire you up. Romans chapter 8. Huh? If God is for me, 
who can be against me? You know what he's saying? As long as you are with me, don't be concerned about going back to Judea. You're with me. I got this. Nobody is going to stop my father's timeline. And today is not the day that we're all going to be arrested and I'm going to go to the cross. It's not today. You're with the light of the world. So now why I'm gone, if you were not walking with me, you'd be stumbling around in darkness and you may not know what's going to happen. But let me tell you something. As long as you're with me and I say something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Let's go. You're with me. And now make the most of it. You know what that also means to all of us? Make the most of the time that God has given us. I, I, I used to be this way. So I see a lot of people waste a lot of time. I mean, you don't, you don't have much daylight left. And you're saying, well, Rick, it don't matter to me. I know I'm redeemed. Well, that's, that's great. I'm glad. Praise the Lord for that. But what about all the people that, that you ignored and didn't invest in? What's going to happen to them when, it, when darkness comes? Are they, as long as you don't die and go to hell, that's good? Look, I used to be this guy. When I buried that little boy, I was like, Lord, come get us. Let's go. I'm ready to go. And I realized that that was wrong. It was wrong. Sherry and I both, I remember us even talking about, let's go to Israel and maybe the plane will crash on the way back. That'd be a great ending. We, we couldn't care less if the plane crashed. Now, that, people didn't like hearing us talk. Don't talk about that on a plane, by the way. <laughs> and um, I, I got escorted away. And, Sir, could we have a, a lot of talk about us crashing? You know what I mean? And so, but anyway, I really did get up and walk around one time because I'd never flown that far before. My first trip was in one year after Bronner went to heaven. We went to Israel, and I'd never flown that far before. And I got up and, and said out loud in the plane, hey, I got to get off this plane. Don't do that either. That's not, and they really did. They came alongside me, sir, are you, is everything okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just going to get some water back here, see if y'all got, you know, little thing they have in the back on long trips, you can walk around back there. You're talking about getting off the plane. No, 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 I'm not getting, no, I just told, I'm just frustrated. I just want to be off the plane. I, I have no plans to try to get off the plane. So, so anyway, um, I've gotten better, by the way. That was my first time at that. You know, you have to kind of get your, get your legs on, you get in shape. But, but what I heard from God was, look, if, if I die, if Jesus comes back or I die, you're right. For me, it's fantastic. But what about, what about them? What about the world? There's people that I know that if Jesus comes back today, they're going to hell. 100%. Oh, you're not their judge. I'm not their judge, but I can just look into their life as people had to look into my life. you know. And I know some of the testimonies in this room. When people had to tell you, you ain't going to heaven. What do you mean? Make a case that you are. So there's people, and, and, and God doesn't need me, but he allows me to be part of it. But I, I, I want to have a certain amount of urgency that when I go out or he returns, he finds me about his business. Not phoning it in because I'm good. And so he's saying, make the most of the time that you have. Uh, let's look... Um, Let's look uh, in uh, 11 through 13. Verse 11 through 13. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Now, saying someone had gone to sleep, saying that, that, that and that mean death, that was certainly part of the culture. But Jesus is trying to make the point that you're just going to see this person. I'm not concerned about the, that they've died or not died. And with, with the power that the Father has given me, they might as well be asleep. I'm going to awaken him. I'm going to raise him from the dead. They miss it. You know, this one, though, you ever tried to come up with a term? You're like, man, this is a really good way to put this. And people go, I got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so he says to them, because he, he's, he's obviously meaning that, 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 the, um, that Lazarus has, has fallen asleep. Now look what the, the disciples said in 12. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, what do y'all think this is about? So he's just asleep. That's cool. Let's not go then. They don't want to go to Judea. And you know what they think? You ever had that happen? Oh, I don't want to go somewhere. Please, please. And all of a sudden somebody walks in and says, well, I just talked to him and so-and-so is not feeling good. Okay, well then let's just not go. And they look at you like, no, no, that's not going to keep us from going. I'm just informing you that, you know, you're always looking for that out. Hey, man, sounds good. Lazarus just asleep. Well, <laughs> he must have recovered. Then there's no reason for us to go on, Lord. So let's not do this. And then it says in 13, Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant 
taking rest and sleep. And here comes 14. You ever had Jesus have to do this to you? So Jesus told them plainly, hey, Lazarus is dead. Can you follow that? Dead. I, I threw the thing about a sleep. Y'all, 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 didn't, y'all didn't receive it. Y'all now trying to get out of going to Judea. Let me clarify for you. Lazarus has died. And then we get to 15. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. So the bottom line, the disciples are looking for an out. Jesus, uh, uh, it's funny. What what Jesus is saying, it's for your good that we didn't go. It's for your good. Guys, he's talking to the disciples. So what do we know? The disciples are still on their process of sanctification, of figuring out who Jesus really is. You know, that's one of the things convicted me so much when I was a cultural Christian or, or what really the Bible says I had a demonic faith is when I realized that I knew all these historical things about Jesus, but even looking back at Scripture, the demons knew more about Jesus than the disciples did. But they certainly were not redeemed because they also fought against Him. So when I was a cultural Christian, I believed everything about Jesus and then lived in perpetual sin. Well, that's a demonic faith. That's all that was. And when I, when I was awakened out of that stupor, when a man looked me in the eye and said, you're lost. Your life, it just does not say anything about Jesus. It says everything about sin. But it, So Jesus can't change you? I, just, I don't buy that. And of course, I had to deal with a lot of cultural Christianity and try to get all that. But finally, when I came to the conclusion that I was lost, well, here's once again that as he says, I've done this for your good to the disciples. And what he means, if I had not delayed then I would not be able to do the sign that you're going to see, and it's going to be a game changer. Do you all agree? Maybe we're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because, you know, they still flee from him when it comes time for the cross. i got to tell you, Lazarus, for me, that's a game changer. That's a big day for me. I don't know about Jesus. I mean, he's maybe a prophet or something, good teacher. Is he going to be this military leader that we've all been talking about? The day, and I know they've already seen a lot, the day somebody's been in the tomb for four days, so much so his sister, which you'll see here in a minute, is afraid of how bad he stinks. And Jesus said, pull that stone back. I'm going to walk him out of there. That's a game changer. That's a game changer. So, so, so he's saying, it's good that, that, that I did not go because if I had not gone, uh, then you're not going to see the sign. So look at 16. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us all so go that we may die with him. Now, many different commentaries have looked at this, and they said this is twofold. Same thing I took away. Either Thomas is showing great devotion to Jesus. Possible. Or he's Eeyore of the bunch. (laughs) Jesus has already said, you're going to be with me. We're going to Judea. Here's what's going to happen, happen, happen. And they're worried about getting killed. They, they try to get out of going back because the Jews are trying to kill him. And that means they're going to kill them too. Could it also be that Thomas, the Eeyore of the bunch, said, Well, I guess we're all going to die. He just doesn't believe that Jesus is really going to keep him from dying. He says we're going to die with him, right? So undoubtedly, he's not really listening that Jesus said that's not going to happen. He thinks it is. Is, is, it, is, it, is it a, and I don't know the answer. Is, an example, is it an example of devotion? I'll go with him and die with him. Or is it an example of lack of faith? Yeah, let's go die. I don't know why he's carrying us up there to die. Which one is that? I, I don't know the answer to that, but, but, but it, it, it could be one or the other. The fact that he's kind of still not sold after the resurrection and says, I got, I got to touch him, I got, I got to do all that, it makes me lean a little bit to Eeyore, frankly. Because it doesn't, he doesn't seem to really get it until he sees Jesus after the resurrection and gets to touch him. I don't know. That, that's, that's not my call. And Thomas, if I've got that wrong on the second one, when we get to heaven, it'll be awkward. But I, I just went one way or the other. All right, so 17. 17. This is back to the four days again. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. We, t- we told you the significance of that. Uh, that means in that culture that there is no reversal. There's nothing anybody can do. That's why that point is made again. 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem. Now we're getting a location from John, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. 
Now, this shows us, John says, that the family must have had some kind of prominence because they've got a really big crowd. Um, uh, they, they, also, the fact that you know they're near Jerusalem, this heightens the danger a little bit of the situation, and people are still willing to go there. People are coming there. Uh, they certainly had people that you could hire that would come and grieve for your loved one, but, uh, but some of the commentaries, and, and John is showing, Martha and, and Mary and Lazarus, they probably were somewhat prominent. They, they, there was a lot of people think they supported a lot of the disciples in Jesus' ministry. So it shows here by the amount of people that are coming to grieve with them that, uh, that they probably um, had some sort of prominence and some sort of, some sort of standing in, in Bethany. So verse 20, verse 20, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Now, if, if you want to jot this down, Luke 10 38, 42, Luke 10, 38, 42. These are just personalities. We, we, we find out about Martha and Mary. Martha's a, a go-getter. Uh, she, she's, she, she's action. She said, hey, he's here. I'm going out. I'm gone. Mary sits in the house kind of pensive, kind of reflective. Kind of, this, this was their personalities. You see this, uh, which Luke tells us about these two women. And so they're just showing uh, that they, uh, they're sisters, but certainly they have two different personalities. And, and we'll get more into that as we go, as we go for, uh, further. So Martha, the woman of action, sometimes too much action, um, uh, goes out and says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Well, I mean, that, that shows some faith because she, she thinks Jesus would have kept it from happening, but it's not really what you want to hear when you've worked to get to these people that you love and there's all this grief everywhere. And really, the first thing that you hear from one of the, your friends is, if you'd have hurried up and got here, this wouldn't happen. You know, there, there's a lot going on here. It's more than just, I believe you could have saved him. She really wants to know, why, why didn't you come on? We sent word to you, and you didn't, you didn't come on. If you had been here, this would not have happened. Some faith there, certainly, but keep in mind a lack of faith because she thinks it's over. The situation that she was limiting the power of Jesus. You could have kept it from happening, but you can't do anything now that it's happened. Hey, be sure that doesn't creep into your faith, by the way. Well, you could have kept this from happening. But now that you've let it happen, I guess, you, I guess you've just left me. You've abandoned me. Nothing you can do about it now. Boy, don't ever let that faith creep in. Don't, see, see, one thing you've got to watch from the adversary. He'll take the things that you know about God. I hope that some of you are so solid that, that the adversary and the demons themselves have given up on trying to, to, to convince you that the Lord doesn't exist that God isn't real. They've just given up on it. You're too devoted. They can't do anything about that. Now, you've seen too many things. So guess what plan B is? To let you believe everything about God you know and to convince you that God's not for you. So God's sovereign. So God's over all this. Look what he did to you. Wouldn't even hurry to get here. Let Lazarus die. God's abandoned you. This is the God you say you love. You hear that kind of stuff coming into your spirit. It's not of the Lord. And you, you better start quoting scripture and you better, you better get him out of your life and get that voice out of your head because then you start clinging to the promises. Remember, when all else fails, look at me, this is important right here. When all else fails, look to the cross. Always look to the cross. You'll have a hard time finding a problem with Jesus at the cross. You have a hard time finding uh, any kind of any kind of complaint against Jesus when he walks out of that tomb and says, I've resolved your biggest problem. I took the punishment that really you deserved and I didn't have to. Remember that no matter what's becoming in your ear, what are you facing? Always remember that. Always go to Revelation 21. You know, one of the things I tell people all the time when they're grieving. My wife has the great statement. She tells them all the time. It won't always be like this. I say this is not God's final plan. We start walking through God's final plan. Go to Revelation 21. You know, he says, I'm going to resolve all this. That's what's coming. We're not there yet, but it's coming. I'll resolve all of this. There's not going to be any more death. There's not going to be any more mourning. not going to be any more sickness. No more tears. That's how it ends. We're just in the middle of getting there. So then Jesus has to hear this from her. And then he says to her, do y'all love this? 
22. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now let's stop right there for just a minute. So Martha thinks Jesus is referring, of course, to the future resurrection. In 21 and 22, Martha knows that Lazarus would not have died if Jesus were present, but she, she also knows that he has a really peculiar intimacy that he enjoys with the Father and that his prayers will be fruitful. She knows that. I know that you and the Father have a, have a relationship that I've never seen before. And I know that if you start praying, something's going to happen. I don't really know what. So then Jesus says, your brother's going to rise again. If she understood what she was asking, right then she would have said, and that's what I was hoping. But she doesn't. She doesn't get it. Look, look, look what she says next. 29. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the, in the resurrection on the last day. See, she's not she doesn't think it's going to happen today. I, I, I don't even know if she even understands. I know you, need, I know you can talk to the Father. Do, do something. I don't know what you can do. And then Jesus says, well, here's what I'm going to do. Your brother's going to rise again. I know on the last day I got all that. Hey, Revelation, just like me going, I know it's going to eventually work out, but God, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today? And, and I got news for you that he may not raise somebody you love from the dead today, but I promise you, even today, he has everything you need to get through what you're in. Today. Not just in the future, but today. You say, you, is he going to change it? I didn't say that. Because it might be for your own good. It might be for the benefit of others. But he will give us what we need to not lose hope and to sit at perfect peace while the world around us is freaking out. I don't know how I was at perfect peace when my son went to heaven. I don't know how. Other than it was Jesus. You know what I said to God? You got to help me. You know what he said? Okay. I got to walk in children's hospital. I don't know. How am I gonna, my wife's in there with the, with, the, with, the, with the body of our baby. How am I supposed to do that? You can't, but I can. And I remember feeling my legs moving. I'm like, I don't even know how I'm walking. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to say to my wife. I do. Lord, I don't know. What, what am I supposed to do? You're going to glorify me. I don't know how to do it. I know, but I do. Lead the doctor to me. The doctor? It happened. Hey, when you're standing there with the body of your baby, ask everybody in there if they know Jesus. Are you serious? Isn't this a time that I can just grieve? No. We got, we got too much momentum right now. Everybody wants to know if you're the real deal. You can grieve on the other side of this, but we're going to make the best of the daylight right now. The Holy Spirit is shining on you right now, and everybody's watching. I can't do it. I know, but I can. Mm. In the future? No, right now. Right now. And so, look, it was supernatural. Every bit of it was supernatural. Do I need, do I need to see signs and wonders? No. I've, I've already seen enough miracles. You know what miracles I've seen? Me. I'm a walking, talking miracle. Because I promise you, there's nothing that I could do to change myself. Nothing. There's nothing I could do to want to be in the Word of God. Nothing. There's nothing I wanted that I could do to want a, a powerful prayer life. There was nothing in me that could handle one of my kids just died, and here's my wife, and everybody's watching. Hey, get up there and do a memorial service. I don't think I can. You're right, but I can. Why are you doing this? There's something called YouTube you don't know about. What's YouTube? Had an IT guy here saying, I think we can put this memorial service on YouTube. What is YouTube? It's just been invented. When was it invented? The year that your little boy was born. What? YouTube was invented two and a half years before he, was, before he went to heaven? That's right. Did you know that the memorial service went on YouTube and was the number one most viewed video in the world for an entire week? Do you know how many people gave their life to Jesus because of that tragedy? Thousands. Over 200 just at the church. And these were supposed to be Christians, most of them. But they ain't never seen anything like this. See, pain and suffering, these moments are there to glorify God because He's got everybody's attention. 
I can go to a men's conference, do a few funny stories. These men are sitting back, if they've never seen me before, I don't know about this guy. You bring up the story of my son's death, silence. You may speak now. I want to hear what you got to say. I'm in Africa. A guy comes in drunk into a children's camp, disrupts the whole thing. Women are screaming, the kids are running. I take him off to the side, man, what are you doing? You're scaring these children. And he looks me in the eye, tears in his face, he says, you don't know. You don't know, white man from America, you don't know. You don't know what I've been through. I say, have you ever buried a two and a half year old little boy that was your son? He looks at me and he says, no. I said, well, I have, so we all got stuff, now let's talk about Jesus. You know what he said? You buried your son. I did. You know what he said then? I'm listening. That was the great equalizer. You may be from the first world and you may be from America and you may be in the land what I think is wealth and you don't know the struggles I've had with poverty. You don't know what I've been through. You're right. I don't know that. But you ain't never buried a son. So we all equal. We all got stuff, don't we? And you know what Jesus says? I'm going to do. I can do something about it today. Change it. I might not, but I can give you what you need. So Mary, I mean, Martha misses this. So then in 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So he's gone from I'm the bread, I'm the light, I'm the water. I am life. I'm the resurrection and, and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And here comes the big question to us all. Do you believe this? Martha. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am. Yeah, there's a second. All that, you're right. You've got all that from the prophets. That's all right. But I want you to understand, life is standing in front of you right now. It's me, Martha. And then the question, do you believe this? Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? If I looked into your life, would I see confirmation of that, that you really believe it? Because you can say you believe it, but do you live that you believe it? Do you believe this? That's, that's just fantastic. That's one of my favorite parts in the Bible is this moment right here. Not that She's not asking Martha, not do you believe that I am going to raise your brother. This is big. Do you really believe that I am the sole source of resurrection and eternal life? Jesus, you going to make me rich? I didn't say that. I'm saying that I am wealth. I'm all you need. Are you going to raise my brother from the dead? Martha, I am the sole source of resurrection and life for the world, not just your brother. And then she doesn't exactly answer what he's asking she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. That's not what he asked her. She said, I understand you're the Son of God. That's the question. That's the answer I gave, but that wasn't the question. So look at 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. So he's not desiring privacy for anything other than the large crowds. Don't, don't overthink this. He's trying to get her together. He realizes she doesn't completely understand it, so he goes for privacy. Many times when Jesus is trying to make a point with you, sometimes he says, get out of the noise. Just come. Hey, let's just you and me. Get out of the noise. You've got to find time to hear from Jesus, even when there's something that you're contemplating. Get out of the noise. And when Mary heard that he was there, she, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him, meaning he's still outside. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at her feet and she said, What? Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Hey, thanks, man. Y'all just keep coming back to that, don't you? <laughs> So here's Mary, different personality. She hadn't even come out there. She's in there pensive. She's in there being consoled. She's in there mourning. She hears that Jesus is here. Now she's going to get up, go to where Martha left him. She goes back out there and she gets, she says, there he is. Here's this big moment. If, you had, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
Now don't miss that because that's important. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Boy, there's been a lot of commentary on this, right? There's been a lot of commentary on this. There's, there, there's so many theories that I'll give them to you. One is he's simply moved by his friend's grief. Sin being the result of death, all these things. He just sat at the state of the world and he sat at all the grief. But did you know if you go back and look at the original Greek word, there's some disagreement here. Some even suggest he was outraged. By what? The lack of faith. So, so do y'all really think I'm standing right here with you and this is total despair and nothing's going to happen? All the things I've showed you, all the things I've done, do y'all really think that I've just come here today to leave this like it is? I didn't come quickly. There's things I've been telling you about me. So there's, there's some theory when it says that he was, was troubled, that he was actually indignant a little bit by the state of everyone just walling around. You know, and I will tell you this, I, I think that God, it disappoints God. And I'm not saying this is what's happening here because it's just one of the theories. But I will tell you this, this I don't have any problem saying. I think it really bothers our, 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 our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and God the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit when we respond to tragedy and we respond to trouble just like everybody else as if we have no hope. Ah! And you know what? Here's the problem. When somebody says, well, come on, Rick, you've been too hard on everybody. If you and your wife had got mad at God and y'all done this and y'all have done that and you wouldn't have got up and said that memorial service and you didn't want to talk to anybody at the hospital and you didn't want to go into that men's ministry, whatever, that's perfectly understandable and that's a perfectly natural reaction. And that's why it's wrong. Because it's natural. It's natural. Tell it, Rick. Tell it. We don't do what everybody else would do. That's why it's wrong. I mean, grow up a little bit spiritually. When the world looks at us and says, yep, I would have left my family too. Well, you, I mean, you know, we got, they got mad at God. I mean, I would too. He's in total despair. You know, he's been sick. And that's perfectly natural, which is why it's perfectly naturally wrong. Amen. We're not supposed to be natural. We're supposed to be spiritual. And you know what basically that means? You had access to power that either doesn't exist or you didn't tap into. And Jesus, so he could be troubled. Not just grief, but troubled. And then he said, after this, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, look, look at how, how, those, how much he loved him. But some of them said, could he not... Could he not who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? You ever had that testimony? Man, you know what? So thankful that the Lord has seen you through this. And look at you standing and on your feet. And look at the mercy that your loved one didn't suffer. You, you prayed for them to stop suffering and they went on in. Yeah, well, he could have raised, raised him from the dead and healed him too, I bet. Why didn't he do that? Think about these people. Man, look at him weeping with everybody. I think in the weeping part, honestly, let me tell you why I lean more toward he is just showing his human side and showing how much that he cares. Because I, I couldn't get Psalms 47 out of my mind. God is near to the brokenhearted. God, he, he's saying that long before he comes to this part of taking on human flesh. He's been telling us from the beginning that he's, he's near to the brokenhearted. I think he just cares. But think about what it sounds like. Well, he does care for him, but I mean, didn't he, he a blind guy made him see? I mean, couldn't he help? Hey, you know what the answer is to could Jesus have kept this from happening? Yes. That's where we got to get. Hey, let me be clear. Jesus can keep anything from happening. So why didn't he? Can, can you get to the point that I, I, and I had to get there and I'm still getting it. We got to get to the point that the minute that something happens that we know God allowed because he could have stopped it, we got to pivot to this. What are you teaching me? What do you want from this? Can you do that? That's what we should do. I, I remember so vividly stepping on that plane trying to get back to Sherry, and I'm looking out there and I see the moon where it's supposed to be, and I thought that shouldn't be. 
And all of a sudden, uncontrollably, out of my mouth, I literally said, so what are you teaching me? Where are we going with this? He said, I want them to be perplexed. I have allowed this to happen, so I'll be glorified. And I'm going to teach you how to glorify me. You don't know me well enough, but you will now. But you will now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take back what I've learned. Look, Bronner is with his real father. Thank, thank goodness Bronner didn't have to have a, an imperfect, struggling, earthly daddy for more than two and a half years. He's had a perfect father for the rest of his time. He's just as alive today as he ever was. We separated, and he's not coming back to me, but I'm going to him. But you know what else? Like Sherry says in her book, he's not my reward in heaven. I love him, but he's not my reward. Jesus is my reward. I'm not working for Bronner. I'm working for Jesus. Now, do I hope that Bronner sees it and says, man, look at my earthly daddy not embarrassing me by rejecting my Lord and Savior? Certainly. But I'm not here just because I want my son's earthly death to count. That's part of it. But I'm living the rest of my life trying to glorify Jesus. So, then we get back where you have laid him. Then, then look at 38. We're almost done. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone that lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. We were ready for that. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? How many times do we look at Scripture and, and the Lord say, I told you about this? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around and they may believe that you sent me. Don't miss this. We're running out of time. This means the father had already told him, Lazarus is coming out. I already know. Hey, Father, you and I have already communicated about this, but I'm going to do something here public where everybody here for their benefit. But you've already told me what's going to happen. But for them... Don't you love that God does that for the humans, for, my, for the sheep? I'm going to say it where they can hear it too. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You've heard all the commentary, and it is true. Many have summarized with the power of Jesus. He's got to specify who he wants to come out, or we're going to have people walking everywhere. <laughs> Lazarus, come out. And the man who, who had died came out. His hands and feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, and I love this, and we'll close with this, unbind him and let him go. You know, that means Lazarus, you know, he's got this, 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 you know, just like they bound Jesus up. Of course, what's more supernatural is Jesus didn't have any issue being bound up. He was gone to just laying like it was. He's really hopping out. Lazarus coming out with this stuff on him. But think about this, and this is what I leave you with. That represents our sin. An earthly death. Jesus says, I'm not just going to take you from death to life. I'm going to unbind everything that binds you. You're alive. Hey, 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 uh, Rick gave his life to Jesus today. I know. Go unbind him. Tell him he's free. So what was I bound by? What had me held down? Sin. And Jesus said, go over there and unbind him. Set him free. Has Jesus unbound you and set you free? Has Jesus delivered you from death to life? Has Jesus said your name? Come on out from sin. You were dead, you were dead now you're alive. Is that why they call you Savior? Yeah. So I didn't just go from lost to found. No. You went from dead to alive. Now, get to know me. And I'll unbind you and set you free from the power of sin. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this message. Uh, Lord, thank you for what you've taught me during all this and what you've confirmed as well. Give us the power to be who only you can make us. If you're listening to this right now or watching this and you have not been set free from Jesus, will you just right now say, Jesus, I acknowledge that you are my Savior. 
I acknowledge that I need to be set free. I acknowledge I have the binds of sin and I now repent of my sin and I turn from death to you, the life. And I say, Lord, make me alive. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And I believe that you did die for my sins on the cross. And I believe that your father rose you from the from the grave on the third day and you defeated death. Today, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, make me alive, unbind me and set me free. The Bible says if you're sincere in your heart and you truly mean that, that Jesus has just set you free. If you need help on what to do next, just contact me, Rick at rickandbubba.com. I'll be happy to walk with you. We pray these things over in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Sorry I was about five minutes late, but I appreciate it. Thank you all. Hey, this is Rick, and that concludes this week's Bible study. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to go back and hear other Bible studies or maybe some that you've missed even in this series, you can find them by clicking the media button at BurgessMinistries.com.